May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machines. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country, it is a free country. Hello everyone and welcome to Pello Talk. I'm Dave Pello and the purpose of this show is to basically have honest and frank conversations uh, without any sense of offence or political correctness. Uh, one of the things that I like to do is, is actually criticise our own side. And I don't mean bag them out. I mean reflect honestly and look for areas for improvement. And you know what? One of the things that has really distressed me is the the low quality thinking of the slogan, put majors last. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm 100% in favour of teaching both major parties and certainly the coalition, the alleged right-wing major party, a serious lesson. Uh, I want them punished at the polls for the way they have taken conservatives in particular and Christians as well for granted and for a long time. But most of all in the last two years where there has been very few people uh, speaking out and standing up for our democracy, our fundamental human rights, freedom itself has been, I mean, can you imagine two years ago, three years ago, that we would have thought governments would tell pastors and priests they may not open the doors of the church on Sunday morning. They would have to turn people away who were looking for fellowship, for ministry, for counselling, for communion, uh, for, for hearing the word of God and, and these things. That, that freedom of religion would be so stymied. Now, freedom to think what you want isn't freedom of religion. Freedom to act and live out and publicly articulate the conclusion and your convictions, the conclusion of your deliberations, that's freedom of religion. Not just watching a live stream, but actually living it out in a very practical way. Our government has gone far too far and, and it is time that the major parties were taught a lesson. But the problem I have with the simplicity of the slogan is that it is just that. It's another slogan patronizing voters, treating them like stupid idiots, incapable of sophistication and nuance. In 2010 and 2012, I was part of a major party and part of their campaigns. And in the inner team, I went through their candidate training and uh, their campaign training. And I know the way they think. And, and given the hostility of the media, uh, you know, strategies like message of the day where everybody has to say the same thing and reducing complex arguments to three word slogans like stop the boats might convey some really useful conclusions and support positive ends, uh, but it, it, is, it assumes and plays to a lowest common denominator. And I think it's really crazy. What I'm advocating and what I've advocated for six years, it's not at all new, but after the 2016 or during and after the 2016 election, when I went from partisan participant to objective commentator and, and activist, I... I've been teaching vote for the person, forget the parties. The only way to make them uh, take us seriously and, and stop taking us for granted 
major or minor. And here's the reason why it's a danger is because put the majors last just becomes minor party partisanship, enabling them to take us for granted at the next election and over the next parliament. What we have to do is hold individuals accountable, reward the good, punish the bad and useless. Uh, and that way, uh, like an effective military strategy, we're not surrendering ground we've already taken. We're actually consolidating the numbers of conservatives in parliament and building on them and going forward by replacing the bad ones with more conservatives without losing the conservatives we've already got there. And and look, it gets really complicated and, and behind the scenes knowledge of who really is fighting for you, even though they're not very public about it, uh, is very hard to appreciate. And, and so there's a bar which is too high, um, but there's also... Uh, this this level where we have to hold people accountable for their performance and their voting record. And if we do that, then you're still going to be putting the majors last in most situations and most scenarios, but without the collateral damage of good people and without the new partisanship of minor party loyalty. It's blind loyalty to a party which got us into this trouble in the first place. Well, one of the good guys who is fighting the good fight very publicly and very critically and very outspoken from within the major party ranks and is not up for election this year, so he has no real uh, dog in this fight, is Senator Alex Antic. And I've invited him on to Palo Talk today to explain for us his thoughts on the slogan, put the major parties last. Clearly, he, he's not blindly party loyal. Of course, he he's loyal to his party, but he's been very outspoken uh, and broken ranks. And so we know that he's comfortable and confident to uh, speak his mind honestly. Uh, Senator Alex Antic, welcome to Pelotalk. Thanks, Dave. Great to be back. Uh, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, a very interesting topic we've set upon there. I, I uh, As I was listening to your intro there, I, a whole heap of thoughts were racing through my mind and it, it goes down so many different rabbit holes and so many different angles to it. And uh, But it's look, I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, I, I want to say just from the outset, of course, I mean, my, my loyalties are with the Liberal Party and, and, and that is the case. And, and when and I would invite people to do this, that if you, if you read the Constitution of the Liberal Party, the value structure is very, very sound. I mean, we talk about um, assertions of freedom of association, freedom of religion, uh, individual rights, all these sorts of things. Um, now, that's not to say that in instances um, we don't, you know, vary from or, or stray from from those, you know, ultimate uh, theories and concepts. Of course, it would be foolish to suggest otherwise. Um, but one of the really important things is that we do have the ability inside this party to to do, as you've said, and, and as I have done on, on issues of conscience and issues that, that are really, you know, personally troublesome to me and where I think I'm flying the flag of the party in those core values. Um, we do have that leniency to do it. And I do it. Many do it. Many do it less publicly. And I think the point you make about um, we don't always know who's fighting for us behind the scenes, I can assure you. There are many, many more good conservative voices inside the Liberal Party uh, that are perhaps not gifted with the sanctity of the upper house that I am. I mean, I, I, I am and I do believe our upper house members, of course, have a in the Senate, have a responsibility to speak for their state. It's the state's house. That's the purpose. But also, given we do have a bit of cover fire from needing 51% of the electorate with us at each election, we are required, I think, to speak to the issues of values. And I, I simply won't be told that the culture wars are not worth fighting for. Uh, I mean, we hear that all the time. And I hear it from conservatives too. They, there's sort of this issue of turning up their nose at the 
at the culture wars. And and yet you and I both know that that the old slogan, politics is downstream from culture, has probably never been more apt and more accurate. So one of the things that I just wanted to get in there as well is you're, you're, you're right about the issue of you know, making sure politics is speaking for us. But we've got to make sure as conservatives that we're in every fight that exists in the community. Now, that means being involved in your local uh, school boards. It means, you know, being prepared to speak up and have our say when it matters, because too often we are quiet people. We are quiet conservatives. And conservatism now has an obligation, I believe, and people that share these values have an obligation to now toughen up. We need some steel in the spine and we've got to start talking back because you see this issue of transgender in sport come up. 80% of Australians agree that that men shouldn't be playing against women in sport, as we all do. And yet, for some reason, the left who are pushing this still seem to be claiming the victim status. No, no, one's, no one has any issue with, uh, you know, people who are, you know, trans or whatever it may be. But this very distinct issue about men playing against women in sport seems to still be a taboo subject. And why? Because culture is telling us that. Now, we've got to fix that as much as we've got to fix anything and politics will follow. Um, but look, there's a whole heap of interesting questions, and I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring a few of those today about uh, about this this concept of put the majors last. I think it's a, I think it's a good one to pick apart. Yeah, um, look, for six years um, since the 2016 election, uh, and let me just recap for those new followers to mine um, who haven't been following me and haven't heard the the uh, origins story for this channel. Um, in 2016, I was on the state executive of the Family First Party, and and, and I'll try and make the long story short. Um, I was very involved and, and very, I guess, resolved to the fact that Christians and churches were largely closed to politics. And the strategy uh, was to go directly to people through Facebook and social media and uh, direct action and, and convey the message that we were the most conservative party out there deserving certainly the conservative and Christian vote. Um, and and then, uh, you know, the, the state campaign was tidy and taken care of and everything that I needed to do from a, from a marketing and graphic design and, and strategy level was done. And about a week out, I organised, I, I noticed there was a, a, a polling place in my electorate that was un, unattended. It was abandoned by, by our party supporters. We had candidates in every electorate. Um, and I organised my friends and family and we manned it from sunrise to sunset uh, on a shift and, and we were very involved in there. And I knew how many people in my local big church were not involved at all. And, of course, the 2016 election wasn't didn't have a clear outcome for government and prime minister that night. And so Sunday morning, everybody's really concerned because there's still no declaration of victory or concession. Uh, and we didn't know whether we were going to have Bill Shorten or Malcolm Turnbull. And um, <laughs> I don't know that it actually would have made any difference, but um, <laughs> what what really upset me and inspired me to go from party politics to commentary and, and public voter education was the fact that so many people on Sunday morning wanted to pray to ask God for an outcome of righteous government. And I just felt, uh, you know, Holy Spirit, um, and common sense saying, well, where were you yesterday when you had a chance to make a difference? <laughs> That's right. Uh, you want God to intervene on your behalf today, but God wanted you to intervene on your neighbor's behalf yesterday and the month before this when you could have made a difference. Mm. Uh, and, and so ever since then, I've been trying to educate people, you know, forget mm. this party loyalty, forget thinking that only the Liberal Party is the solution. Um, and 
and you are actually the solution. What we need is a smarter voter base in Australia, more switched on, more involved, more vocal, more engaged, and that will help save the Liberal Party if there is a chance, and it will certainly help make sure that the best outcome possible comes every time. If we just start giving our first loyalty to Jesus um, as voters, and we, we ask for his mind on every election. And if you're not a Christian watching, well, give your loyalty to your neighbor, to your nation. Be patriotic, be loving, be sacrificial. Don't vote for your hip pocket, but look for the best genuine outcome and refuse to be manipulated or bought or pork barreled or, or you know, brainwashed by the mainstream media. Be an independent, non-lazy, involved, engaged, thinking voter. Uh, Alex, what you're advocating, membership in the party, is is a next step of sophistication and involvement. And I think you're absolutely right. The long march through the institutions was very effective because they were willing to take a decade, 50 years, now 70 years to infiltrate places like the Liberal Party. And, and giving up on them in one election cycle is to, is to wave and abdicate all responsibility and all virtue of patience I mean, if it takes 70 years, isn't it worth doing? We have to invade back. We have to infiltrate those institutions, academia, media, uh, business, education, and politics. We have to be here and in the game and not only care when it hits home, as the last two to three years have. We need to actually get involved and be part of renewing the Liberal Party, the best hope for government, as you so obviously stated. Um, so that's my origin story. How I'm in here is, is I want people to be smarter voters. I've never been focused on this election or the next election, but let's have a look at how do we take back the institutions which have been infiltrated by this Marxist march. Mm. Yeah, very nicely said. I have to say it's a very, very uh, good and succinct summary of, of some of the things that need to happen. I agree. Um, and look, I, I think one of the similar moments I had was last year um, in South Australia, the, the late-term abortion bill that, that got through Parliament here. Um, the week before, uh, the Walk for Life um, was on and I was speaking at it in front of 5,000 people, which was around about the same number of people um, that are actually members of the Liberal Party here in South Australia. And it dawned on me that had we, and for the similar sentiments that you've just expressed, had, had we had with us those people inside the machinery of politics mm -hmm. you know, prior to everybody could have saved their time there wouldn't need to be any need for people to be writing furiously and going and meeting with their mps because they'd be in there pre-selecting people who shared their values and shared the party's values we're not, we're not talking about anything other than that we're talking about uh, people being involved in the party that share the party's values and you know that is i think um where people can get the most bang for their buck in, in this case and, and i understand the frustration I, I i saw it and in fact you know, the Marshall government saw the frustration that came from some of these issues. I think social policy issues were a huge factor in the Marshall Liberal government here in South Australia being a one-term government. I think if you turn your back on the base, eventually they'll come back. Now, as you say, quite rightly, um, we are decades behind in many cases, but when it comes to fixing politics, people can't sit on the sidelines. Conservatives can't sit on the sidelines anymore. And Correct. I know there's a temptation for people to be involved with minor parties, but I heard it said once, and I forget who the very learned person who said this is. It was another parliamentarian. But they made the observation that when it comes to government, it's like a football game. There's only ever two parties that actually uh, make the field, two teams that make the field, red and blue. Everyone else is shouting from the sidelines. 
Now, yep. the reality of fixing our system is conservative voices inside major parties. And I have said, I've said it publicly, but the very existence of the, of the minor conservative parties, I believe over the course of time, uh, is problematic for the, the, the centre-right party, the Liberal Party, because they should be back with us. Uh, and if all of that support was back with the, the Liberal Party, I think we'd see, uh, you know, a, a, a different beast. And, and, you know, that is the frustration. I think the vote gets splintered. And so that then has an impact, of course, on the very good conservatives. I'm not sure I agree with you on that. Sorry, with with in relation to splintering the vote, uh, and maybe maybe you need to clarify what you mean. Mm. Uh, it sounded yeah. like you said if, if all the freedom voters voted for the Liberal Party, the Liberal Party. No, sorry. Well, no, 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 no. Well, no, what? I, well, of course, I would like them to do that. But what 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 I was saying was in relation to just the machinery of politics. You know, if, okay, uh, right. The the, the the one nations, the family firsts. You know, many of them are actually ex-Liberal Party people who you know who have started their own show. So. You know, I, that is part of the issue for the machinery of politics, I think, is the splintering of that conservative voice where realistically, in order to be really, really effective and really heard, I think it's better under one banner. So uh, let me clarify my position for the sake of viewers and, and due to your party loyalty, you may feel free to disavow what I say. But um, <laughs> I think the effective way to shape the future of Australian politics and Australian liberty and justice is to be a member of a major party, and it really doesn't make any sense to be a member of the Labor Party. Um, therefore, join either the Liberal or the National Party um, with the agenda, not of endorsing them or applauding them or even of supporting them, but of being counted when it counts, because what they want genuinely is to be representative. Um, and so it's not about stacking branches. It's about genuine recruitment. Pay your own fees, have your own mind. Um, but come election time, your donations and your votes do not belong to anybody just because you're a member. Uh, at that time, at that time, you should feel free to again do what I've always said, and that is to vote for the best person for the job based on the merits and suitability of, of their um, resume at that time, if the Liberal Party wants to pre-select a Muppet who is completely useless, then you can't vote for that person, even though you're a member of that Liberal Party in good conscience. Of course, you can if you want to. But um, So I think you can have your cake and eat it too. Be a member of a major party and vote for the best person for the job um, at, at each election. And, and again, my major concern with this is if we are in the tent if you're there when pre-selection happens then they have a better chance of being the same person you have a better chance of, of actually saying you know what um this really conservative person is the best person for the job but then you're one of 50 or 100 people um instead of one of a hundred thousand people um at election time um choosing the best candidate for the liberal party not just the best candidate for your electorate Feel free to wash your hands to any degree you need to, Alex. <laughs> well, look, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to get the get the uh, hand sanitizer out on that. But just, just, just to reiterate, of course, I encourage people to vote for the Liberal Party, and I'll just explain why that is. Particularly if you take the example of Queensland and Tasmania at the moment. Now, this this particularly applies to the upper house. We've got some very good conservatives um, on those tickets who are running in precarious places. Um, in in uh, in Queensland, of course, we've got the great. Uh, Senator Amanda Stoker, who 
has been a champion for conservative values along the way. And of course, in Tasmania, I was about to call him an old, a fantastic, youthful uh, Senator Erica Betts, who has, uh, <laughs> uh, he hopefully doesn't see that and think that I even balked at old. He's not old. He's very, very energetic. Uh, uh, who is running third on the Senate ticket for the Liberal Party there as well. Now, people have got to remember there are lots of good conservatives uh, on tickets like that who who deserve our support, of course. And, and as I said, I mean, obviously, I'm a faithful servant of the Liberal Party. So, you know, I'm, I'm endorsing only that. But, but the point you make about being involved in politics before election day, I think is the, the really important one to, to drill down into there. And you've made it very well that point. Um, here in South Australia, we have um, brought along a lot of new members who share our values. They're people who traditionally would always be Liberal Party voters and potentially in, in times of greater political involvement, members of the party as well. People who share our values, people who have done exactly that, joined up of their own free will with their own money because they want to make a difference. And they are making a difference. They are making a difference to the SA Liberal Party. and. You know, the old question is, when was the best time to plant a tree yesterday? That is true in politics as well. Um, I can only encourage people to to take that advice and to get involved and to join me in that movement of uh, of conservative values, Liberal Party values inside the Liberal Party here. And if people want to do that, they can email me at alex at believeinblue.com.au. It's alex at believeinblue.com.au. And I'm happy to help out, happy to uh, circle the wagons on that. And we want to sort of try and get people uh, involved who want to make a difference. And we need passionate people with patience, Dave. That That's basically what it is. There's nothing untoward about any of this. It's about having a say. Because I think people out there, um, they're frustrated. They yell at the TV. They shake their fist about the ABC and all sorts of other stuff. And then I say to them, yeah, but what have you done about it? You know, how have you actually exercised your, your, your frustration? The best way people can do that is by being involved you know, with people like me inside a major political party, the Liberal Party, I believe, uh, in order to make sure that they are there when pre-selections happen, that we're pre-selecting good people, as we should always be, and to make sure that they're making the machinery of the party rock solid. And that movement needs to happen across the country. I'm glad to say uh, that uh, people should be should be involved. I, I welcome it, and 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 I I think the party will too. Yeah, great. Uh, let me just. Uh, give an example. In Queensland, um, the Senate ballot for the LNP um, does not favour conservatives, um, and that's because conservatives were MIA in in Queensland. And let me put the hypothetical to you that if Alex Antic was in up for pre-selection, you know what number is he going to get on the Senate ballot um, when he's up for election again in three years' time? Do you want a wet, moderate, progressive, spineless person at number one and Alex at number three in an unwinnable position? Because that's what's going to happen if we abandon the Liberal Party to the moderates. moderates. Um, but if we're there in numbers and, and we send good electives to the state council meeting and, and we're there and, and just quietly... Um, influencing for conservative values, then you have a chance of keeping people like Senators Rennick and Antic in the Liberal Party, in the Senate, where they get to actually be the House of Review that the Senate's meant to be. And and in those number one um, positions, they're unlosable positions. That's exactly where they should be to guarantee the continuation of the ground we've taken for conservatism. Alex, I think it's a good time now to watch this video. I've asked a, a friend of mine, a fellow political thinker, um, to 
to actually put the case forward that disagrees with you and I, uh, that actually supports the slogan and the strategy, put the majors last, which I think has potential for collateral damage of, of good ground taken. But let's have a listen to him now and, um, and we will just let him speak for the three minutes that it takes and, uh, and then I'll get your reflections and, and join you after this. So Dave's asked me to share why I support the strategy of putting the major parties last on the ballot at the upcoming federal election on the 21st of May. I make no apology for supporting this strategy. My name's Dylan Oakley. I'm a teacher of 23 years. I've been stripped of my livelihood, my career, my income, and if it were possible, even my dignity by a rogue ALP state government, simply because I would not surrender to them my bodily autonomy, something that I never thought would happen in my lifetime. And I've got to talk about this because this is the context in which I support this strategy. The fact is our nation over the past two years has endured politico-pharma tyranny, medical segregation and psychological warfare, the likes of which we've never seen before. And all the major parties have been complicit in that. The LNP, the ALP and the Greens. I mean, the LNP try to hide behind the fact, well, the states are responsible for what they do and we can't overrule the states. But let's face it, it was our LNP Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who said that he'd make this vaccination as mandatory as possible. It was the LNP Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who set up this secretive, unconstitutional national cabinet to work alongside these rogue state governments while they rolled out their illegal mandates and oppressive restrictions. It was the LNP federal government who gave the states access to the National Immunisation Register so that they could roll out their regimes of medical segregation across the nation. So the LNP, the ALP, the Greens, they're all in it together. They're up to their necks in this. And I'm not going to reward them by giving them my vote at election day. They can go last on my ballot paper. People might say, but what about, you know, some of the good people in these major parties? Maybe they get overlooked by this strategy. Well, the only good people in these major parties, in my opinion, are those who have been on the record publicly standing in solidarity for the millions of Australians who have been mistreated and trampled over the past two years. The only good people in these major parties are those who have publicly fought against what has been the biggest assault on individual freedoms and Christian conscience in our nation's history. And if they haven't done that, quite frankly, they can go last on my ballot paper. What about the exceptions? Well, I'm a teacher, and even the rule I before E except after C has exceptions. I mean, that rule will keep you from making spelling mistakes, but there are exceptions. And in this, there are exceptions. You've got LNP Senators Alex Antic and Gerard Rennick, men I greatly admire and respect for the courage and the conviction and the compassion they've shown over the past two years. But those two men are not up for re-election. If you can find them as sitting members, men of their calibre or women of their calibre, on your ballot paper, sitting members in your electorate, vote for them. I would but I think you'll find they're exceptions to the rule. I don't even think they're representative of the LNP. I think they're probably considered renegades by their own party. So I'm saying put the major parties last and let's vote in freedom-loving, good, decent, hard-working minor party candidates and independents who can keep the government honest and make sure we never, ever have to experience this communist-style oppression again. Thank you very much for that. Uh, very passionate, conservative Christian freedom fighter, um, and his daughter as well, uh, fresh graduate um, from her teaching, ready to go into a teaching career uh, in a time where 
teachers are in, in short demand uh, and she wasn't allowed to get registered as a teacher because she refused to um, to follow the uh, medical mandate. Uh, what are your thoughts, um, points of agreement and, and points of difference with Dylan there, Alex? Well, I'll start with the points of agreement, uh, which, I mean, I can very comfortably say that I, I share my I share Dylan's frustration and disappointment with the, the last year, at least, of, uh, of mandates and people being medically coerced. I mean, I, that's, I'm on record as saying that, and I, and I you know, can't say it enough. I think it's been an incredibly um, troubling and difficult time in, in our nation's history, frankly. I, 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 don't, I didn't think I'd ever see a time where this sort of stuff would happen, and that includes the control, you know, the QR coding, the masks, um, you know, I don't think any of that is going to be treated well by history. I suppose there'll be those that will try and gloss over it. I certainly won't be glossing over it. I'm, I'm still irate about it, frankly, and and uh, and worried. So, I mean, all of that I agree with. And, and, you know, you almost get overloaded with the stories of, you know, heartbreak. I mean, we see them every day, not just um, people like Dylan, but, but people in other fields as well. You know, doctors that have been laid off for talking about what they believe to be things that need to be discussed about, you know, vaccines and uh, and being, you know, had a go at by APRA and other bodies. So look, the, the list of, um, you know, tragedies continues. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, Jared and I took the strong stance that we did. And I, yeah, look, it, it wouldn't have won us any friends. Um, wasn't designed to. Uh, it's designed to speak the truth. And I, you know, I, I often say we all have our part part to play in. Uh, speaking these truths, uh, it just so happens that I've found myself in a period of time where I've been given the privilege of uh, of being in Parliament. I play my role just like Dylan plays his role and you play your role, and it's no more or less than that. So, um, you know, it's just a more public role. People are all doing their bit. So that's the first bit about that. The second bit about putting the majors last, look, once again, I, I think people need, and this is my view, I mean, of course, I, I, you know, I, I'm a party person and I, and I support the Liberal Party cause, and I would always encourage people to vote in that manner. But uh, the difficulty with putting the majors last is this spattering of votes. And, um, you know, we, we, we do see the possibility then, I think, of doing what none of us want to do, and that is getting a Labor-Green government in through some sort of uh, preference, uh, you know, catastrophe, uh, which which can come. So, look, I understand the frustration. I, I, I know it. I see it. I saw it here in, you know, South Australia with some of the results that happened here recently at the state election. And what we're seeing now is a Labor government that after, you know, several weeks of a honeymoon period are now starting to talk the language of, um, you know, of uh, the, the Andrews government, the McGowan government, you know, it's starting to transform after people had got it out of their system at the electoral uh, box. So, we have to be careful with, uh, you know, the devil we know, so to speak, when it probably sounds worse than it is. But, you know, sometimes the alternative is worse. And I, and I think we do play Russian roulette with uh, with that strategy myself. Um, I, I just, I, I do worry about what where that takes us. Yeah, look, um, I guess the, the main thought I have is that Dylan in articulating the exceptions, basically advocated for my strategy and not this blind loyalty to minor parties of putting the majors last. Um, and, and that is that if you assess the individual, if you have the preference for minor parties all you like, but then assess the people in every electorate and make sure you're not punishing one of the you know, hardworking, diligent freedom fighters. But you, like you said, they're, they're not all 
as public and out there right. um, as as you and Jared Rennick can be. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's important not to give up the ground that we've taken um, in, in this mission to infiltrate. And if you've got a very short-term emotional response and, and objective, um, then there is going to be some collateral damage with good people being taken out um, because then you're just going to have another voice for the baddies in Parliament mm. instead of even... Look, useless isn't good enough. They definitely should be punished in my mind. Um, <clears throat> I know you've got to be party loyal. Um, but, but yeah, ultimately Dylan did advocate, I think, for the for the vote for the person, not the party um, line, because there are going to be exceptions um, that we need to be mindful of. And here's the point, is, is what we need to redo is re-educate ourselves for this election and the one after and the one after that. And, you know, put the majors last isn't always going to serve us well, but voting for the person instead of the party will both punish the majors in this election where there have been craven fools advocating for authoritarianism, but it will also make sure that no party from now on can take us for granted. Yeah, look, I mean, I think I, I, I you know, I hear that strategy. And as I said, I, my, my concern is ending up with uh, a Labor Greens government, which, of course, none of us want to do. So I think that, you know, as I said, I mean, I, I take the view that there are still uh, you know, of course, very compelling reasons to, uh, to to vote liberal this election cycle. And uh, but as you say, and as I say, uh, come with me. Uh, you know, inside the uh, inside the machinery of the party, come with me, yeah. join me, and uh, and we'll yeah. fix we'll fix whatever calms you've got. We'll we'll hear you more loudly and clearly. And I can tell you, the other thing about this is, of course, that people that are members um, who have views which reflect the party's values, as as ours do, um, get very strong access to their local member if the member's in government, um, where, of course, constituents would always be be heard. But I can tell you, if you're a voting member in someone's pre-selection, they're returning your phone call. So people can't yeah, underestimate right. the power of being a member of the Liberal Party in order to, uh, you know, have that level of involvement. It really is more powerful than people realise. It's not a massive time, uh, time constraint either. People... You know, I think there's sometimes there's this air of mystery about being involved uh, like this. People don't have to. It's not right, like running yeah. water at a footy team. Yeah, you know, you don't, once you join a local footy club, you don't have to run water every weekend. You know, you can be as involved or as not involved as you like, but you just get your opportunity to register your vote when it counts, uh, and yeah. that will do more to shape our, our nation and each of our states than anyone can possibly understand. Yeah, I, I can uh, relate to that. Before I got into politics, it, it seemed overly complicated and super intellectual and well beyond my my capacity. I thought I'd just be embarrassed if I went along. And it, it turned out to be a lot more like a CWA meeting than um, uh, than Mensa. Um, so, uh, you know, get involved and, and get involved. do and, and don't feel like like Alex said, I mean, Maybe you just need to turn up twice a year to fulfil your constitutional um, requirements to to stay a current member, but make mm. sure you're there for the important votes where you're pre-selecting and, and hearing uh, from people who want to be the LNP candidate uh, and make sure you... Look, sometimes you've got a, a terrible leftist in the room or a terrible incompetent person in the room and you've got a really great Christian conservative and the Christian conservative may lose by a handful of votes, sometimes one. 
because there's so few people in the room making the decision. Uh, that is where we, we we need to be. That's a long-term strategy, and mm. you absolutely, absolutely need to be there. Uh, the other thing I would just say, um, and I might even take you off screen here, Alex, so you can be beyond uh, accusation. Um, the inevitability of a Labor government is a fact. Not this election, but some election. Um, it's a fact. Uh, I don't think we should be melodramatic about the consequence of potentially um, pruning the deadwood from your local Liberal Party um, and ending up with one or two terms of Labor government because it's inevitable. It's going to happen anyway. But if we were to choose the time um, and take advantage of that inevitability to help the Liberal Party grow back stronger, uh, that would be a very good thing. I was part of the Family First team deciding preferences in the election when Wyatt Roy lost his seat. A terrible, moderate wet who was completely useless to Conservatives and Christians. Uh, and we ran a split ticket and essentially offered them no support and maybe even a little help to Labor. A Labor member did defeat him. And the following election, a the Liberal Party... Local branch pre-selected a conservative, not another moderate. And he's now the member for Longman, and he is worth fighting for and defending because he's not Wyatt Roy. Pruning the Deadwood uh, with a longer-term vision of, of coming back and re helping the Liberal Party renew with uh, better fruit and better flowers in, in conservative members is not a silly destructive strategy. I think what's destructive is letting the Liberal Party 10 years from now be worse than the Labor Party of today. Uh, because we'll still be saying at least they're better than Labor and there's nothing worse than the Labor Party. And in actual fact, we will be able to look back to this day 10 years ago and wish that we had have helped the Liberal Party prune the deadwood today. Uh, so I'm just saying, don't be melodramatic. It's not the end of the world. It's terrible and I don't want it but there is a worse fate. Um, and so let's be sober and not emotional um, about that. Well, um, I think we've probably just about reached the end of this topic. Alex, um, uh, do you want to have any final words or, or thoughts uh, anywhere else you think we should explore if we haven't um, covered every crevice? We've covered a lot of ground. It's been really good fun. It's been really interesting. And I love the opportunity just to talk about things in a, in a frank and fearless way. I, I, I've never been very good at political double speak, I hope, because it's not something I cover. Not, it's not a ground I hope to cover. But um, mm. it's been really interesting. We've covered a, there's so much more to cover as well. You know, we can talk all about the... The, the need to regain our culture, you know, we see it drifting so much with Hollywood and music and, the, you know, this sort of terrible drift into, uh, you know, so-called progressivism. And we'll come back to that for another day maybe. But, look, just to recap on what we've talked about um, and without wanting to sound too, um, you know, too uh, authoritarian about it in my own manner, if you're out there, particularly people in South Australia, if you're out there and you're frustrated with politics, then why not join me? Join me, get in touch, alex at believeinblue.com.au, um, you know, and I, I'm happy to engage with people who, who, who share the party's values like I do uh, in order to talk to them about how we can help fix it and get involved. Um, you know, if, if, if they want to be heard, then that's the best way to do it. So thanks for the opportunity to talk and uh, I had a great time. Thanks, Alex. I uh, really appreciate the time and 
um, and support you offer the uh, independent media industry. It's uh, very helpful and I think part of the solution. Well, that's it for this episode. One of the things I want to encourage you to do is to make sure you volunteer um, with your preferred candidate in this election to scrutineer. One of the things that happens every single election is that the left, the enemies of freedom and democracy and justice in Australia, uh, have really great numbers of volunteers scrutineering on Saturday night and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. And in those moments, they don't cheat, but they aggressively look to make sure that every possible vote which supports their candidate is ruled in, if it's at all possible. And every possible vote which could be called invalid, um, which doesn't support their candidate, is ruled out. Now, this is a legitimate part of the system. And what we need to do is make sure that as many scrutineers as possible are in there, not just to hold the Australian Electoral Commission to account, but to hold the Labor Party scrutineers to account. Sometimes they have very aggressive people in there and you just need to not be an expert. You need to go along and make sure you're watching and asking intelligent questions uh, and making sure that they know there is an accountability on the accountability. That's how you can make sure there's more integrity in this election. And if it comes down to a handful of votes, the votes you save from being invalidated, the votes you make sure should be invalidated if they're not clear, um, those votes may be the difference between a freedom candidate and uh, a terrible Greens or Labor candidate in your electorate. Uh, very important to make sure you participate in this as much as possible. It's not just about that one vote, that five minutes of democracy, uh, but getting involved big time. Thanks to the Good Source supporters for making this possible yet again. Uh, your support is very, very helpful as we try and build and grow and do more and do it better. If you'd like to become a supporter, please head to goodsource.news forward slash support. And that is how we can make sure that we grow together. It's, a, again, a very important part of democracy is to make sure that there's accurate, reliable, honest, objective information and education so that we can have a much more engaged and intelligent voter base over the coming years to save Australia. Well, that's it. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. We've got a lot more coming. We'll see you soon. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.